A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I hope that you had a uh, wonderful Independence Day holiday. Uh, I uh, took an extra day off, if you didn't notice, but uh, I am glad to be back behind the microphone once again. And we're going to be talking here in just a moment with Tom King, head of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. Now, I spoke with Tom last week, could not share that interview with him because of uh, technical difficulties, but uh, we've got him back. Uh, And now we've had a few days to digest the post-Bruin gun control laws put in place by New York Democrats, as well as uh, some time for Tom and the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association to uh, figure out what their next steps will be in response to these laws, which uh, I believe not only violate the uh, the letter of the Supreme Court's decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, but violate the spirit uh, of that law as well. So uh, without any further ado, let's get right to this conversation with Tom King, head of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, about what comes next in New York. Take a look and a listen. Tom, it's good to talk with you again. Thanks so much for coming on the program. That's quite all right, Cam. I enjoy it a whole lot. And and there's uh, not a lot to enjoy right now in New York. I mean, listen, we've got the Bruin decision, but we've also got the backlash to the Bruin decision coming down from uh, Governor Hochul and the Democrats in charge of the New York legislature, uh, passing more than a half dozen new gun control bills uh, into law last week, uh, including some uh, new requirements, Tom, uh, for concealed carry applicants and concealed carry holders that sure seem to fly in the face of what the Supreme Court said. Uh, during the uh, in its decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Yeah, you know, you would you would think that they were almost retaliating against the Supreme Court, you know, trying to circumvent their rulings. No? But uh, Kathy Hochul claims, no, that they're going right up to the line that the Supreme Court drove, you know, and, and we all know that's not true. You know, but my my big my problem is, is that she made a statement that the Supreme Court was reprehensible, uh, among a few other things, for for making the decision and uh, enforcing the Second Amendment, okay, and making it a uh, an equal amendment with the other ten. And uh, you know, and no one really called her on that, okay. You know, as far as I'm concerned, what she's doing and what the Democrats are doing is reprehensible. You know, uh, they all took. They all took an oath of office to protect uh, the Second Amendment, uh, the uh, the Constitution of the United States. That's part of their oath of office, and I I think they just violated that. Well, I think you're right. I mean, and we can talk about some of the specifics uh, of the legislation, everything from you know going through social media accounts uh, before uh, you know it can be approved for a concealed carry application. Uh, In essence, uh, banning concealed carry from all private businesses unless business owners opt in. You know, again, I mean, uh, Justice Thomas talked about the the general right to carry a firearm in public for self-defense. That's what we have with the right to keep and bear arms. And yet again, uh, the response from New York is, no, no, no. We're going to make sure that it's as hard as possible to get a license. We're going to make it uh, as hard as possible to carry a firearm in self-defense both of which completely goes against what the Supreme Court said and what you just talked about, the Second Amendment being a real right. 
So then the next question becomes, Tom, what 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 is the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association prepared to do about this? We're prepared to do almost anything. Our our lawyers are are looking at the whole situation right now, Cam, and there uh, th- there's a number of things that come into play. We we have to handle this right so that uh, we you know you just can't go willy nilly and put in a uh, uh, a TRO, okay, because you, you may mess some things up for future appeals and stuff like that. So they're they're looking at the proper way, uh, the in the way that we will uh, guarantee our uh, rights of appeal down the, down the road, okay. So we we are going to do something, and it's going to be sooner than later, but. We also only do things the correct way, okay? And we want to make sure that, if need be, this can also go all the way to the Supreme Court and we can be victorious. So, yes, we are going to do something. Are we going to challenge? We're going to challenge everything that's challengeable. Okay. All right. Uh, and there's a lot there to be challengeable. I yeah. mean, listen, and, and, and I want to understand, too, like, some of the things that they're putting in place – you know, 16 hours of, of training. Uh, I believe it's two hours of range time. Look, I think that's onerous. I don't know that the courts are necessarily going to uh, consider that to be uh, unconstitutional. We've got similar uh, uh, training regimes and requirements in, in other uh, anti-gun jurisdictions like Illinois and Washington, D.C. But it really does seem to me like when you focus on what the overall intent uh, of this package really is, it's not to ensure that uh, legal gun owners can can exercise their Second Amendment rights. Quite the opposite, right? I mean, this is designed to artificially depress the number of people applying for a license and and, and to make it legally uh, so dangerous that I think people will say, "Listen, it's not worth the risk of me exercising my right to carry." If you are so so again under the laws that as it is going to go into effect on September the first. Virtually every private business is off limits to concealed carry unless they post a sign that says gun owners are welcome here or something like that. If you inadvertently or accidentally bring your lawfully owned, legally carried firearm into one of those establishments, it's a felony, Tom. It's a felony offense punishable by years in prison, permanent loss of your right to keep and bear arms. And again, this is for this applies to the folks who've jumped through all of the hoops and hurdles, who've managed to navigate the the maze of red tape set in place by New York Democrats. If you so much as accidentally set foot on a private property line, that's a felony offense. That alone, I think, uh, has to fall. I mean, again, when we're talking about respecting a right here, this is not how you do it. No, no, it isn't. And and that's that's undoubtedly one of the aspects of the law that we're going to be challenging him. You know, uh, I, I don't you know, it, it, because it's you, I'll talk about it. But I don't like to talk about a lot of these beforehand and, and give, you know, give our uh, our plans up. OK, well, keep you in know, mind, it's not just me listening here, Tom. Just no, so you no, know. I, I, OK, I'll stretch I'll a little bit for you. OK. <laughs> You know, but the thing that bothers me about this this whole scenario is I don't know if you saw uh, if you read the New York Post, okay? But had the, uh, the the front page of the New York Post is there were fifty people shot in New York yesterday in New York City yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So uh, I I mean, 
come on, guys. And, and I guarantee you, none of those were legal or lawful gun owners. You right. know, and it's the case, you know. But the New York Post was the only one who covered it. Yet the shooting in uh, Highland Park was covered all over the all over the other papers. And not taking anything away from that, but what's the difference of a life is a life, you know? And I, I just uh, and it's obvious that you can see that there is an agenda to take our guns away. Absolutely. Uh, and that agenda, I think, is coming through loud and clear. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, listen, I wish New York Democrats had gotten the message, but uh, clearly they have not. Uh, and I'm glad to hear that the attorneys are uh, looking on the next steps here. Uh, Tom, listen, um, what, what, what's your advice to New York gun owners in the meantime, um, you know, who are looking at this uh, effective date of September the 1st, uh, hoping that they, you know, again, can start to exercise their Second Amendment rights, but seeing all of these roadblocks and, and barriers that the state is erecting uh, in, in their way. Well, to, to borrow, a, a borrow a statement from my youth that was very popular, and that's keep the faith, okay, because things are going to change, okay? This is, we're, we're not going to let this go, okay? And the, um, don't, don't give up, but the, the thing you have to remember is who did this to you? Governor Hochul and the Democratic Assembly and the Democratic Senate. Senate, how can they get even with with those groups and the governor? Well, there's an easy way. And you just all have to remember that when it comes to November, because the, the voting box is how you solve this problem. Get rid of these people and your problems go away. Yep, absolutely. Vote them out. Uh, Tom King, I, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the program today, sir. Thank you so much for your time and look forward to uh, catching up again very, very soon. I do appreciate Tom joining me on the program, and uh, he'll be back with us again very soon, I promise. We are going to be talking with a lot of state-level organizations, with a lot of 2A attorneys, because uh, right now that is where the action's happening, uh, at the uh, state legislature level, at the uh, uh, in the courthouses around the country. Uh, not just at the state level, though, uh, at local levels as well. You know, you've got gun control groups who are really pushing uh, and they've been doing this for years to get rid of firearms preemption laws, allowing localities to set their own gun laws that are more restrictive than state law. They've seen some success in uh, states like Colorado. Uh, and we're already seeing in Boulder, for example, the uh, city council there set to introduce today a uh, new slate of gun control measures, again, flagrantly <laughs> uh, ignoring what the Supreme Court has said in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. And each and every one of those local ordinances is going to take a legal response if they become law. So, again, we've got a lot of stuff going on uh, at the court level. It's not like Bruin calmed things down. I mean, Bruin stirred things up. Uh, and we are in a critically important period when it comes to protecting and securing our right to keep and bear arms. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizens story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. You know, this is the stuff that Democrats don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about the laws that are already in the books. They don't want to talk about how the criminal justice system works. They want to talk about putting more laws in place, right? It's the next round that's going to make a difference. Meanwhile, we keep seeing stories like this. Detroit shooting suspects releases, plural, prompt police cries of judicial leniency. Yeah, and it's hard to argue otherwise in this case. Uh, Teddy Valentino Davis uh, appeared before Wayne County Circuit Judge Michael Hathaway 
uh, back on May 23rd for a bond violation hearing. He was 20 years old. He had allegedly breached his bond and tether conditions five times while awaiting trial on a concealed weapons charge. The judge in this case said, uh, all right, you know what? We're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. Take off his ankle monitoring device and uh, we'll just release him on his own recognizance. That way he doesn't have to keep showing up in court. Yeah, seriously. He violates the terms of his pretrial release on multiple occasions. And the judge says, well, let's make sure that we don't know about this happening anymore. Because this causes all kinds of problems for us. Uh, he was arrested back on January 18th. Th- these are some of his uh, uh, prior uh, infractions. Well, again, he was out on bond. Arrested back on January 18th by Detroit police officials who say that he was carrying a gun that uh, matched 20 shell casings recovered from a drive-by shooting nine days earlier. The GPS unit on Davis's ankle device tracked him to the crime scene, as well as other shootings. He was charged with a drive-by shooting on January 22nd, given a personal bond and tether. Back in April, police say he again violated his tether agreement when investigators tracked his GPS to a vacant Northwest home in, DC, in uh, Detroit, where he and another man were allegedly holed up in the house with multiple firearms. He was arrested then and scheduled for the May bond violation hearing before Hathaway. So by the time he showed up before a judge, he was already a suspect in a drive-by shooting. Three months after the judge removed his tether and continued his $50,000 personal bond, Detroit police officers who were monitoring Davis's social media activity said that he once again violated bond on June 22nd by allegedly live streaming an Instagram video in which he brandished a gun and threatened to harm others. He was arrested the following day in a uh, hotel, allegedly with a pistol in his waistband. Right now, he's in the Wayne County Jail. Wayne Circuit Judge Miriam Bazzi said bonded a million dollars cash during an emergency hearing last Friday on the initial concealed weapon charge. In the shooting case, a bond violation hearing is scheduled for 9 a.m. tomorrow uh, in the uh, uh, original judge's courtroom. So, yeah, the original judge still a part of this case. The Detroit News reports that police officials furious over the judge's decision to remove Davis's tether and continue the personal bond, which they say is an example of increased judicial leniency towards allegedly violent offenders. Police Chief James White said in a statement, quote, regrettably low bonds have become a norm in our courts. This is an affront to the city's community as well as members of this department that put their lives on the line every day. Well, nothing that another gun control law can't fix, right? Yeah. And again, this isn't something that Democrats want to talk about. Uh, Let's let's ban guns. Let's create more criminals out of law-abiding citizens. Let's turn, you know, let's ban AR-15s. Let's turn tens of millions of Americans into criminals overnight. Now, not only would that be flagrantly unconstitutional, but as we've seen, the criminal justice system isn't dealing well with violent criminals right now. The idea that slapping another possessory gun offense or six or 12 on the books, as they've done in New York, as they've done in California, as they've done in New Jersey recently, the idea that that's going to fix things or make anything better is absolutely absurd. Uh, and, you know, honestly, this gun centric approach, we talk about it at Bering Arms Day. I've got a story, our VIP gold story, or excuse me, our VIP story today, um, all about how one decision in the Baltimore City State's Attorney's Office, one very gun centric decision for the Baltimore Police Department to test every firearm that was recovered by the Baltimore Police on paper, right? If you're a gun control advocate, it sounds great. Oh my gosh, we're getting tough on guns. In reality, what this meant was long delays for processing evidence from murder scenes, sexual assaults, carjackings, and oh yeah, by the way, just 6% of the gun possession cases in Baltimore actually resulted in charges. And according to the Baltimore police, over half of those cases 
ended up without a conviction. This is what happens when you focus on the gun or the law-abiding gun owner as opposed to the violent criminal. Not only do you infringe on people's rights, which admittedly is not much of a concern for many on the left, but you don't address the actual problem and violent crime only gets worse, which of course for Democrats is simply another reason to call for another round of ineffective and unconstitutional gun control laws. All right, today's armed citizen story from the Lone Star State of Texas, where a pair of armed robbers were shot at after uh, trying to rob a fireworks stand. Yeah, Travis County Sheriff's Office responded to a 911 call just before midnight Monday night. It said he was robbed and shot at. Deputies responded to the fireworks stand. Employees told deputies that they were robbed at gunpoint by two subjects, both men wearing all black, wearing masks, uh, one of them wearing a beanie as well. One of the employees fired his lawfully carried firearm at the robbers and hit one of them, according to the sheriff's office. Deputies searched the area and less than half a mile from the scene, they found a Hispanic male with multiple non-life-threatening gunshot wounds hiding behind, uh, hiding behind a, uh, a home uh, and a, a fence. He was transported to a hospital now in custody. Uh, the second suspect, at last report, has not been apprehended. But again, uh, what could have been much worse was not thanks to the presence of an armed citizen there, able to protect and defend himself and his colleagues. Now, today's good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a 16-year-old in Pascagoula, Mississippi, who was in the right place at the right time and willing to uh, do what he had to do to save some lives, Corian Evans, uh, was uh, hanging out, I think it was the 4th of July evening, uh, at a uh, boat launch, uh, near uh, Moss Point, Mississippi, boat launch into the Pascagoula River. A lot of folks there for the 4th of July. There was a, a car full of uh, uh, teenage girls, three of them, who ended up driving straight off of the boat launch into the water. And Corey on Evans, you see him there on the uh, screen, jumped in to help save him. Not only that, he actually helped save a police officer who jumped in as well. He said, I was behind him trying to keep them above water, swimming them at the same time. He helped bring the three girls to shore along with uh, Moss Point Police Officer Gary Mercer, who responded to the scene and swam out to help. Corey and Evans says, I turned around and see the police officer, and he's drowning. He's going underwater, drowning, saying, help. So I went over there. I went and I grabbed the police officer, and I, I, I'm like swimming him back. The officer and the three girls all taken to the hospital for treatment. They are now recovering. Uh, Chief Brandon Ashley with the Moss Point Police Department says the police department and I commend Mr. Evans' bravery and selflessness that he displayed in risking his own safety to help people in danger saying if Mr. Evans had not assisted, it could have possibly turned out tragically instead of all of the occupants rescued safely. One of the girls uh, went on Facebook and told Evans uh, that uh, he saved her life, quote, right before my last breath. Again, everybody's all right. Officer Mercer expected to be uh, back on duty later this week, but in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. 16-year-old Corey and Evans, there of Moss Point, Mississippi, we thank you for your very, very good deed. Now, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition right here, chock full of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. But don't forget, you can always visit BearingArms.com throughout the day. We are constantly updating the website with the latest news about your right to keep and bear arms. 
and we would uh, definitely encourage you to visit. Also encourage you to become a VIP member. Not only will you get exclusive content and analysis, things you won't find anywhere else, as our way of saying thanks for showing your support, but you will get the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing that you are supporting independent pro-Second Amendment journalism. And your support does matter. And it does make a difference. So again, we thank you for it. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, be free.